the Lord of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But do you not take care of the flock? You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. I can still remember the first memory verse I ever had to memorize as a young person in Bible school. It was Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. The metaphor of a shepherd and sheep can be found throughout the Bible. And unfortunately, I think it is difficult for us to really fully appreciate this metaphor. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong, but how many of us in here is a shepherd? I don't think very many of us, probably none of us. And in fact, it's probably likely that none of us even know anybody who owns sheep. There might be a few of you. A shepherd just isn't that common of an occupation in North Kansas City anymore. I don't know what happened. But in Israel, especially in Bible times, almost everybody knew a shepherd. And certainly everybody knew about the work of a shepherd. In the Old Testament, the human kings of Israel were known as shepherds over Israel. For example, Psalm chapter 78, verses 70 through 72. I thought about reading the whole chapter, but I'll spare you. I'll just read verses 70 and 72. It says, He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob, of Israel his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. King David was chosen by God to be a shepherd of the people of Israel. The prophet Jeremiah even calls King Cyrus, who wasn't even king of Israel, he was king of Persia, a shepherd. Because the king of Persia, Cyrus, released the people of Israel out of exile so that they could be gathered together back home again. And it should come as no surprise that the divine king, God himself, became known as a shepherd of Israel. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This metaphor of God as shepherd was an obvious illustration for people in Judea. Much of Israel is rough, rocky terrain, as you can see in the picture. Impossible for growing crops. Raising sheep while still quite difficult, was the better choice. So flocks of sheep were common, a common sight on the hillsides of Judea. And for sheep, danger was always right around the corner. 
they were vulnerable animals, whether it be predators like wolves or sheep bandits, robbers and thieves. They were very vulnerable creatures. And since there wasn't a lot of grass, as you can see, sheep tended to wander away and get lost within the stones and the caves and the crags. So a shepherd was never off duty. He worked very diligently all the time to make sure that his flock was together, unified, and safe and secure. In fact, the shepherd had to risk his own life for the sheep. Now, you might find it hard for yourself to risk your own life for a sheep or even many sheep. But for the shepherd, these sheep represented a huge investment. They've worked their whole lives just to keep these sheep for their wool. If he was to lose them, he would lose everything. He'd be sunk. There's no sheep insurance at this time. In fact, if he lost these sheep, he'd, probably, he'd have to start over from scratch, probably have to start a new career, trade in his shears for something else. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's in John chapter 10, verse 11. But get this, just a few verses earlier, John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. Now, pardon me for being a little bit confused, but how can Jesus be two different things? In the same story, both shepherd and gate. It's no wonder that Jesus' disciples were left confused after a lot of the things that he would tell them. How can Jesus be both shepherd and gate in the same illustration? We're going to be in John chapter 10. If you'd like to follow along in your own Bibles, you can turn there right now. Um, That's going to be our main text is John chapter 10. Just before Jesus proclaims to be the shepherd and also the gate. He restores the sight of a blind man. And he does this in full view of the Pharisees and on the Sabbath day, which is a big no-no to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were strict adherents to the law of Moses. And if you did anything on the Sabbath, including a good deed like healing a blind man, you were a sinner. So the Pharisees, who already didn't like Jesus, were now really ticked off. They thought Jesus was a sinner and an imposter. So they are stewing. Now this man whose sight was restored, he actually begins testifying to these Pharisees. He can't stop talking about how great of a guy this Jesus is. And he knows that these Pharisees are mad already. So he's spreading the gospel, the good news, but he's also kind of stirring the pot, shaking the hornet's nest, rubbing it in a little bit. So the Pharisees, they're done with this guy. They rebuke him. You were steeped with sin from birth. How dare you lecture us, what they said, and they kicked him out. And what they did to this man who was once blind is called scattering the sheep. 
And Jesus saw it right away. You see, the Pharisees, as leaders of the Jews, they had a golden opportunity at this time to be good shepherds, to have compassion on this man, and to rejoice with this man for what Jesus did for him. But jealous and unbelieving, they only saw this man as a sinner. They failed to see him as a valuable sheep, even worth risking their lives over. All they saw was a sinner. So Jesus says to the Pharisees at the end of chapter 9, he says, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. In other words, the Pharisees felt that they had no need of healing. They were unwilling to allow Jesus, to them, a sinner and an imposter, to lead them. They were too proud to admit that they were blind. Too proud to call them filthy, wandering sheep in need of a shepherd. And ironically, it was the blind man who saw his need for a savior and believed in Jesus. It's funny, what is weak in human eyes is oftentimes strength in God's eyes. Now with the Pharisees so honked off at this time, I imagine you could cut the tension with a knife because Jesus is still there. But Jesus didn't back away. He stuck around and he persisted. And he says this directly to the Pharisees, John chapter 10, starting with verse 1. He says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Now, I want you to watch this video. And forgive me because the audio isn't isn't perfect. It kind of fades out at the end. But I think you can see uh, how a sheep recognize the unique voice of their shepherd. Take a look. <laughs> One more time. Oh, my God. 
shepherd? It really is true. In fact, shepherds at the end of the day, when they bring their sheep in to the pens, they will often share the same pen with other shepherds, which means that all the sheep get mixed together in the same pen. So when it's time to leave, how do they sort out the sheep? Well, one shepherd simply stands back and calls out his unique call. And only his sheep recognize his voice and will come out of the pen. And then the next shepherd takes his turn. It's quite incredible, actually. And modern, uh, modern day shepherds use the same technique. Now, when I grew up on a farm, um, we didn't have sheep, but we did have cattle. And there are a few small similarities between um, cattle and sheep. And our cattle knew our dad's voice. And so when my dad would call, which sounds something like this. Hey, boss, hey, boss, hey, boss, hey, boss, hey, boss. Jeremy, there's a reason I wore my cowboy boots today. <laughs> so when the, when the uh, cows would hear this, they would turn their head and march in from the pasture to the pen. See, it sounds a little strange, but a shepherd develops a relationship with his sheep. Now, sheep in Palestine are utilized for their wool, not their meat. So the shepherd spends year after year after year with the same sheep. They really get to know each other. Often the shepherd will name them. That's old black here. That's old brown leg, and that's crazy eyes. A relationship. The shepherd would walk in front, making sure that the path was clear and safe, calling out to his sheep, even by name, and the sheep would follow. Every detail about a shepherd's life enlightens us about the image of the good shepherd, Jesus, whose sheep Hear his voice and whose constant care is for his flock. Now, Jesus goes into more detail in John chapter 10 to make his illustration clear to the Pharisees because the Pharisees are just not getting it. So, verse 6, Jesus used this figure of speech. They did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus is the good shepherd who calls to a sheep and who leads a sheep. But here is our dilemma. How can Jesus also be the gate in the same story? Well, a simple image makes a story come to life. Look at this picture. This is a picture of a typical sheep pen in Palestine. You might notice that, well, this pen isn't made of barbed wire or wood. It's made completely out of stone. You can maybe imagine a wolf or a sheep bandit trying to reach over the sides and have a sheep. But what is missing in this picture? The gate, right? There's no gate. What about this picture? It's the same thing. Now, this sheep pen utilizes 
a cave that's already existing in the wilderness, which was common even today, to use existing structures out in the wilderness as part of their sheep pen. But still the gate is left wide open. There's no gate. This is because when a shepherd would lead his sheep in for the night, the shepherd would sit down in that opening, leaning up against one wall, watching over his sheep. You see, the shepherd was the gate. If it was a good night, he could get some rest. He could sleep. This is why Jesus can claim to be both shepherd and gate, because as everybody in Israel would have known, the two were one and the same. And this is what Jesus had in mind when he said, I am the gate. He was saying, I am the shepherd, and I take my place as the gate, and I will watch over you, even during the night, to make sure that you are protected, that you are safe. I take responsibility for these sheep. They are mine. I am the shepherd, and I am the gate. It's simply a redundant statement. Now, another characteristic about the sheep pen that is alarming is its size. It's not very big, is it? Meaning it does have its advantages. It's safe. It's secure. The shepherd is there watching over you. But what kind of a life is it to be cooped up inside such a small pen? We may be safe, but doesn't it seem like our salvation comes at the expense of our freedom. Now, in my former occupation, I was actually a loan officer, and I had a lot of agricultural clients. So in this picture, this is what my collateral looked like. Cattle at feedlots. Now, these cattle, they don't have much to worry about. Um, they're safe, they're secure, they're well-fed, hence the name feedlot. Um, but they, just, they sure don't have much freedom, do they? They are shut in and a little crowded with nowhere to go. In fact, the gate on these pins, they're made out of iron and they are locked shut. They have nowhere to go, no freedom. Not much of a life, if you ask me. So in John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, we, found, we find a little bit more about what kind of shepherd Jesus is. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And he will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. If we are sheep under Jesus' care, we would not be confined to a pen. We could go in and out as we find as we please to find green pastures and quiet waters. Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. Isn't this scene more like it? My family would oftentimes when we would go on vacation, we'd go on vacation to the to the mountains. And since we had cattle, when we'd see a scene like this, we couldn't help but say, boy, those cows, they don't know how good they have it. 
Are Christians the same way? Do we sometimes not know how good we have it? How would that affect us, our perspective on life, if we knew, really knew how good we have it as God's people washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? How would that affect your daily life? That would fill us with joy. How would that affect you as a mom and dad, as a child, to have this type of perspective, to know how good that you have it as a Christian? Green pastures and quiet waters They're more than just soil and lakes. And we're more than just sheep. When you find the provisions of God through Jesus Christ, a new sense of safety and security enters into your life. If you put your life into the hands of Jesus, the good shepherd and the gate, the worries and fears of life, they can now be overcome. They may even disappear. The green pastures are God's provisions of forgiveness and grace. Prayer, fellowship, salvation, eternal life. When I was young and a new Christian, I pictured uh, Jesus as the gate like the pearly gates, like the big, glamorous white gates with they open up one way towards heaven, towards that light in the background. It was a no-brainer decision. Yeah, I want to go to heaven. I want to enter in through Jesus, the gate, be saved. But I was mistaken. Jesus isn't a pearly gate. He's more humble. The kind of gate that would get his feet dirty and his clothes dirty and his hands calloused, watching over his sheep. That's the kind of gate that Jesus is. He's not only the gate to get in to be safe and secure. He's the gate to get out for freedom. The gate swings both ways. When you follow Jesus, the good shepherd, he leads you out of a life riddled with hopelessness, riddled with anxiety and fear and questions. When you try to be the own shepherd of your life, try to lead yourself through life, life can be disheartening and discouraging, dull, difficult. I can't think of any more D words. It's bad. When we walk with Jesus, we have a super abundance of life. And life is worth living because we have the peace of God in our hearts and we know that Jesus is always there he is the good shepherd his constant care all the time is for us watching over us we are safe and secure and we have freedom through Jesus Christ because we are a forgiven people washed in the blood of Christ so if you're not a Christian today I encourage you to follow Jesus Let him lead you to green pastures and quiet waters. We're going to sing an invitation song in a minute. And we're going to have one of our elders, a shepherd of our flock, stationed at the back and one at the front. You can also see me. If you would like to start following Jesus today, 
you may come see us when we sing the next song. If you are a Christian, but you have wandered away, and you're lost in the crags and in the stones, maybe it's time to get back, back with the flock. If you can hear Jesus' voice today, follow him. I encourage you. I plead, do not delay. Please come as we stand and sing.